Thank you for joining us at our Father's House in Pineville, Kentucky. Today's message is from the 2017 Encounter Youth Conference. Let's listen in with guest speaker Reverend Josh Couch from Ambassadors Point Church, Oxford, Ohio. Come on, can we put our hands together for Jesus tonight? Come on, you can do better than that. Let's go. Can we lift up a praise to him tonight? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Has he been good to anybody? Please remain standing, remain standing. I, you know, there's a scripture that says Jesus did not receive honor in his hometown. And because of that, not many miracles were done there. I believe that where honor is, the miraculous always follows. I believe that if we can find a place where honor resonates, that the miraculous will always hover in that place. And today I would just want to start out by honoring pastor, honoring this staff, honoring these young people, because I believe that God literally is birthing a sound out of these mountains that will change the world. That's not a cliche saying. I believe that. Will you honor with me for just a moment, Pastor Odie Carroll and his wife? Come on, give it up for Pastor Odie. Come on, that's good for Pastor Odie. Come on, give it up for his wife. How many of y'all love Pastor Justin and his wife? Come on, give it up, give it up, give it up, give it up. What about one time for my bearded brother, Pastor Brandon, that's walking up? Give him some love. I'm telling you what, if, if you, if someone cannot preach behind Matt Gilman and his team, they just might as well give it up. This was an amazing team. Do you love Matt Gilman and honor him in this house? Where's, uh, where's my guy at that was just dancing up here? Where did he go? There he is right here. When I was watching you in the spirit, if I were to try that, I would pull a hamstring. So, man, you did an amazing job, your sister, last night. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Royalty dance. Come on, give it up for royalty dance tonight. Amazing. As you're still standing, grab that person's hand next to you. Let's get ready for the word. His presence is is everything. But the Bible says that he holds his word above his name. His name can move mountains, but his word deposited in the heart's of people can transform nations. Father, in this place tonight, God, we acknowledge, as Matt Gilman said, Father, we are not here for just another conference. We are here for an encounter. Let the reverberation of the experience that we have in this place move throughout this region. I pray, Father, that an overflow of this house would move beyond just 
Pineville, Kentucky. It would flow into Tennessee and even into Georgia and Florida and upwards of Kentucky. Father, I pray God in the name of Jesus that you would radically transform us by the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, someone shout amen, 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 amen. Give somebody a high five. Tell them, get ready. You can be seated. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord here tonight. Man, it's so good to be with you guys. Pastor Justin, uh, you need to repent before the Lord for saying that I do not play any defense. The devil is a liar. (laughs) Uh, Good to see my main man, Lawrence Pioneer, who will be rapping for you guys here uh, at the conclusion of our service tonight. Rashad, good to see all of our Bible college brothers here tonight. Uh, But I want to acknowledge the most important person in my life, minus Jesus, and that is my wife. She's watching live stream tonight from Oxford, Ohio. What's up, boo-boo? How you doing, sis? I love you. Everybody turn around and wave at my wife. Hey, baby girl. I'll be home soon. (laughs) Hey, listen, I'm going to echo Robert Madu from last night when he stood up and he said, I am an audience participation preacher. So that means anything that you say is going to be acceptable. Young man that lost your shoe, if you want to throw your shoe at me, please do that. We're going to believe God to do something. And no, please don't do that. We're going to believe God to do something incredible tonight. You can say stuff like, hey, preach. You can say stuff like, that's good. You can say stuff like, amen, hallelujah. And then my favorite is if you'll say, preach, white boy. Oh, y'all are already good at that. Now, listen. If your neighbor looks stuck up or if you're in here and you don't really like to talk and you're more, uh, you know, isolated and insulated, here's what I want you to know that I, in every service that I do, even back home at our church, I anoint praise captains before every service. You say, what does that mean? Am I a praise captain? One person on your row is the praise captain. Here's what that means. The one person on your row dictates how the service will go for your row. And so I want you to look at your neighbor right now and say, it might be you. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, it might be you. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to point at the praise captain for your row right now. Come on, point at him. Point at him, point at him, point at him, point at him. There's division going on in the house right now. Let's make this simple. The person on the end of every row is the praise captain. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, here it is. Now, here it is. The service for you will be as good as bad as the praise captain. I hate to tell you this, but listen. Your praise captain can either continue the flow or block the flow for your row. So I want you to look at him and I want you to say, don't be acting funny tonight. I need you to praise. All right, here we go. Here we go. All right. We have people changing seats right now. (laughs) Hey, listen, are you ready for the word here tonight? Come on. Did you enjoy Pastor Robert Madu last night? Listen, listen, I'm telling you, tomorrow night, do not miss it. Pastor Justin is, I believe, he's going to bring a phenomenal word tomorrow night. Get here, get here, get here. I'm confident of one thing, that before every great 
encounter, there is a confrontation of small things. Before every monumental encounter that you have with the Lord, I believe that God first calls you to face the small things in your life. About three months ago, Pastor Justin called me and I started to prepare. And as soon as I hung up the phone with him, I started preparing my heart. And God said, here's what I want you to speak on. And he said two words. He said, small things. I said, Father. I would much rather speak on mountain moving faith. I would much rather speak on the Red Sea moments. I would much rather speak on Lazarus getting up from the grave. But God, you want me to speak on small things? He said, Josh, I want you to understand and I want the people to understand that unless they conquer the small things, they are not eligible for the big things that I want to give to them. If you're faithful in the small things, God makes you ruler over the large things. For just a few few moments here tonight, the title of my message is very simple. Small things. Small things matter in your life. If you do not believe that, teenagers, here's what I want you to do. Monday when you return to school, and I know, I know y'all have a crush. I know we're in church, and, but I know that you like that boy sitting next to you in math class. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to not brush your teeth Monday morning. And then I want you to go up to your crush or your friend. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to say, hi, good morning. And then I want you to see that person pass out. And you tell me that small things do not matter. Fellas. Here's what I want you to do, fellas. Fellas, when you go to school on Monday, I don't want you to put on any deodorant on Monday morning. No deodorant at all. No deodorant. No degree. Body heat is deactivated. Nothing. And then I want you to go up to that girl in the hallway. And I want you to reach out and give her a hug and watch her pass out in the hallway. And then you tell me if small things matter. Parents in the room... If your child is acting crazy, I want you to take their iPhone charger from them and tell me if small things do not matter. Well, somebody said, well, what about Samsungs? If you have a Samsung, you are operating in the kingdom of darkness. Come on. How many team iPhone do I have in the house? Team Samsung? It doesn't matter. Keep your hands down. Small things matter. In life, someone said the preacher's supposed to unify. I think this place is in discord. Don't worry, the word has a, the ability of uniting things together. Small things matter in life, and small things matter to God. Genesis chapter 3, we're introduced to a very important text where Genesis chapter 3, you understand that that was the introduction of sin into the world. Adam and Eve were walking together in the cool of the garden. They had uh, uninhibited communication with God. There was no barrier, no block between earth and heaven. God was freely walking among them. And what did the enemy do? He did not approach Adam and Eve with this monumental thing that everyone could see. No, he simply looked at fruit hanging from a tree, the small things in life. He looked and he said, if you will eat this, 
then you will be just like God. And it turned out that you know the story. There was a small thing that they encountered that affected their entire life. And now we're sitting here a recipient of that discord that they sown into the world. Small things matter. A small piece of fruit led to a giant problem. Small Things. Pastor Josh, are you talking about small sins in my life? No, I'm not only talking about the small struggles, but I'm also talking about the small box that we place our God in. The small dreams that we have, the small things that we expect from God. I'm here to tell you today, he's so much bigger than we've made him out to be. He's so much bigger than we've made him out to be in our lives. And here tonight, I pray that we would encounter small things. In Genesis 3, the problem continues, but here's what I understand about Genesis 3, that the enemy uses small things to defeat us, but God uses small things to deliver us. Come on, somebody. I said the enemy uses small things to derail or defeat us, but God uses small things to deliver us. Listen, I know it did not look like much to Pharaoh, but God spoke to Moses and said, hey, lift up that small rod in your hand. And before you knew it, a generation was changed and transformed because of a small thing. Come on. I know it did not look like much to Abraham, but all of a sudden when he was about to slay his only son, Isaac, a small ram was caught in the thicket. Somebody shout small thing. Come on, it did not look like much to Elisha. But here's what I understand about Elisha. He's seen a cloud the size of a man's hand and it transformed that entire region, ending a three and a half year drought. Somebody shout small things. It did not look like much to the disciples when Jesus looked at a mountain and he said, you can cause this mountain to move if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. Small things matter to your God. Your praise may not look like much to others, but small things matter to God. Your prayer life may not look like much to others, but small things matter to God. Listen, if I am about to drown in life, I do not need to quote 500 lines of prayer. I just need to say, Jesus! Yeah. And a hand that's bigger than mine comes down and scoops me up out of the troubled situation that I'm in. Small things matter to God. Let me ask a rhetorical question to you tonight. What is it in your life right now? It's a very small thing. You only do it maybe once a month, maybe once every other month. It's, it's just something that is, you've always dealt with and always done. And maybe you've inherited it from your parents. And, and maybe it's just a struggle. And you don't think it's a big deal. But tonight... That's what I'm after. I'm after the very small thing in your life that you cannot completely conquer your own. Here's what I'm also after tonight. I'm after that box that I said that we've placed God in. I'm after the moments that you think that matter to God, but in fact do not matter at all to God. I'm here today to tell someone that just because they visited a prison cell does not make them a prisoner. Come on. Come on. Did you hear what I said? Come on. 
We have some people in this place tonight that they believe because they've sinned, they are defined as a sinner. Just because you visited jail does not make you a prisoner. You are a child of the most high God. If you believe it, somebody shout amen. God uses small things to deliver us. Matthew 13 and 31, Jesus said it this way. The kingdom of God is like a grain of seed, a small thing. To God, are you serious? The culture, the rule of God, the reign of God, the atmosphere of heaven can be found inside of a seed. But here's the thing. Unless you're willing to let go of the small thing, you can never see it come to fruition. I've learned this a long time ago, that the big things matter to God, but the small things are the very things that block us from our original purpose. Allow me for just a moment to introduce you to a man by the name of David. On three, somebody shout David. One, two, three. You know David, David the champion, David the one that defeated Goliath. You know David, the one on the backside of the desert. You know David, the one that everyone kind of gave up on. Jesse had eight sons. He was just one that was all out smelling like sheep, smelt like he didn't put on deodorant. Look at your neighbor and say, is that you? David, 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 the warrior king, David. David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, David. David said this. David had to release the small things in his life for the giant of his life to fall. We are introduced to David in the middle of a potential battle. You have on one side the Philistines. You have on one side Israel. You know the story. They're in the middle of a valley, which let me introduce this fact to you, that the valley is where your giants come to die. So we have here... A battle that's about to take place. And Saul is looking around for a warrior. And he's looking around and he's looking around and David is under him. And he says, I'm right here. I'm here. Just because you've been overlooked in your life doesn't mean that God hasn't qualified you to defeat a giant. And David is there. He's, he's there. He's, he's, hey, Saul, pick me. Hey, pick me, Saul. Saul says, no, David, you Come on, David, you and I both know that you can't do this. And we're introduced to the text in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 33. Saul says to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him because you are young. You are but a youth. And he has been fighting for many years. When I was reading this last night, it hit me that this Goliath that David was about to face was in fact a generational giant. This giant was the one who fought the families around David's family. This giant was the one that would attack David's family. This giant was the one that probably thrown everything that he could at his father. But here's what I want you to know. The giant was fighting David's parents, but he did not understand that there was coming behind him a generation. There was coming behind him a young person that was so equipped to defeat the big guy because of the small things in his life. Let's continue. David, here's what he says. David said, you don't understand. 
He said, I kept my father's sheep and there came a lion and there came a bear and he took a lamb out of the flock and I went after him and I smote him and I delivered him out of his mouth and when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and I smote him and I slew him. Man, David was a bad dude. How many, how many bears have you defeated lately? How many lions have you tracked down in your life? Come on, don't be lying in church here tonight. I want you to understand that David was a bad dude, but here's what happens. David said, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said, all right, if you really want to do this, the Lord said to me through this, and I want to relay this to you. Stop complaining about the fight in front of you and look back at the victories that are behind you. Did you hear what I said here tonight? God sent me here to tell you, stop complaining about the battle that you're facing and start embracing the fact that God has fought for you and he's delivered you from everything that you're currently in right now. Have you ever seen God move in your past? Three people. Have you ever seen God move in your past? Have you ever seen God deliver from you in your past? Have you ever seen God move mountains for you in your past? If you have, that qualifies God to face the giant that you're about to conquer. This giant uh, is generational. I want to read this because I don't want to get this wrong. God spoke to me last night. Here's what he said. He said, the young people of this region have the spirit of David. I said, God, what do you mean the spirit of David? He said, there are generational giants that have plagued the families of this area in this region. There are generational giants that have plagued the families in this region. But here's the good news. These giants are not equipped to handle these young people. Listen. And then he said the next part in kind of a poem form. And this was crazy to me, but I said, God, I'll say it. Here's what he said. He said, David played a harp and he used a sling. David was a prophet, but he was also a king. This David generation also has a sling because giants fall when they sing. Did you hear what I said? Church, I'm telling you, there is a generation that's rising up out of these mountains that I don't care what's happened in your family. I don't care how many years of addiction are taking place. When this generation starts to dance and shout and sing, the giants of years past will start to fall in front of you. Come on, do I got anybody that believes that this thing has to stop at this generation? Addiction has to stop at this generation. Come on, poverty has to stop at this generation. Sickness, reoccurring disease stops at this generation. Give God a shout of praise in the house. Oh, come on. Come on, shout like you mean it. Shout like you believe that the giants that have haunted you are about to fall in front of you. Hallelujah. There's a generation that says this thing stops with me. There's a generation that says I choose God over addiction. No wonder David in Psalm 22 prays a seed 
shall serve him and be counted to the Lord for a generation. If God can get one person in this region, he has the potential to get the generation. Yes, he does. Yes, sir. A seed, unfortunately, has to be planted in the dark moments of life. A seed has to be planted and has to die. I told our church, someone said, well, why don't you call it your church? Because it's not my church, it's his church. I told our church this last week. I said, my greatest fear is that we have a generation of people that have added Jesus to their life. They're walking away from God and they say, Jesus, come into my rebellion and make me feel better in the process. My greatest fear is that we have a people that just add Jesus to their comfort zone instead of repenting and going in the opposite direction and allowing Jesus to unlock the chains from our life. Not this generation. Not these young people. Not this group that's coming behind us. Listen, I, listen I, I know you don't know me, but I'm qualified to speak about this tonight. I know that's a bold thing, but unless you understand my history... You don't understand that God has allowed me to defeat giants that have haunted my family for years. When I was was 18 months old, my father and my mother, they were married. We lived in a little trailer. And they were married and they were newlyweds and everything seemed to be going well until my mother came into my room and I was asleep in my toddler bed. And my father was there. He was doing cocaine in my room. And my mother said, get out and don't ever come back. And they divorced when I was 18 months old. My mother, she developed because of her isolation and because of her loneliness. The enemy convinced her that there was no one that she would ever be able to mesh with. Or there was no person that would be able to handle her with a child. And so my mother developed a pill addiction. She was so addicted that she took so many pills every single day that by 5 o'clock she was totally useless on the couch laying for hours. I grew up in an atmosphere where my father was not present when my mother divorced him. He went to prison for selling cocaine. In prison he developed a homosexual lifestyle. My mother was still addicted. Y'all ain't hearing me. My mother was still addicted. My father's in jail and lives an alternate lifestyle. I was raised in a town where more people die from suicide and addiction than more people make it out. God got a hold of my life as a teenager, as a young person. And when I was 15 years old, my mother, she could not handle the noise anymore going on around her. And I was at my grandmother's house about five houses north of where I currently lived and And all of a sudden, I heard sirens taking place when I was 15 years old. Sirens going on, commotion. Everyone is running around the neighborhood. What's taking place? Someone comes up and they knock on my door. I said, Josh. I said, there's life squads. There's fire trucks at your house. I took off running as fast as I could. There's people standing outside of my home. They're crying. They're weeping. They're wondering. And they said, Josh, your mom is gone. She's committed suicide. 15 years old. My father lives an alternate lifestyle. He's in prison. 15 years old, I've lost my mother. 15 years old, I have nothing to do and nowhere to go at 16. I develop what they call post-traumatic stress disorder, most common in those who fight in battles and in wars. And and it, it stretched throughout my entire body. I would break out along my muscle lines and where there's blisters so bad that I cannot come into contact with people because if my body overheated, that when I came into contact with them, it would become contagious. I'm here to tell you, 
They told me I couldn't come to school. They said, Josh, they said, man, I'm really sorry what happened to you, but we can't have you around other students. We're afraid that you'll influence them. We're afraid that you'll impact them. We'll be afraid that they'll catch what you have. But down deep inside of the darkest moments of my life, I came across a scripture from the mouth of David. David, the one who conquered small things that enabled him to defeat large things. I said, David, what is it that you are saying because your mother isn't mentioned in scripture and your father commanded you to go on the backside of the desert? And this word jumped off of the pages and it reverberates to this generation today. Psalm 27 verse 10 says, when my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. I said, when everyone around you gives up, the Lord says it's time for me to step in. The Lord lifted me up. Now listen, I'm not looking for you here tonight to celebrate me. What I want you to understand is all it takes is one person to serve God for your generation to be changed forever. Your past does not qualify you. Your past does not dictate you. What, under, what you have to understand is that your past enables you to tell a future generation about the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is compared to a seed. The Bible says a serving seed reaps a generation. When you release the small things to God, God releases the large things to you. The enemy uses small things to defeat us, but God uses small things to deliver us. There's a man named Elisha. Briefly read the story earlier, but I want you to understand that Elisha is facing a three and a half year drought. This drought that was caused by his own prayer. Elisha goes up on a mountain. He sees Ahab there and he says, Ahab, he said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Elisha, what are you, what are you talking about, man? You're crazy. Our cattle are dying. Our crops are dying. People are dying. And you hear the sound of rain? He said, listen, go look. I'm telling you, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. You know the story. He goes and looks seven times. He comes back and he says, oh, I finally see it. Listen, don't be discouraged when it takes people to catch up to what you're hearing. Don't be discouraged, young people. When you hear something from God and everyone around you says that you cannot do it. When I was called into Bible college, I moved in with my grandmother and I told her, I said, hey, I said, I know you're going to be excited. God's called me into ministry. And she looked back at me square in my eyes and said, you'll never make a pastor. Small words impact lives. She said, you'll never do it. She said, there's no one in ministry in our family. No one's graduated college in our family. No one makes it out of here, especially not in our family. And I said, I honor you. Can I go anyway? And she said, yes, but you'll never make it past the first year. Can I tell you, I went the first year and I went back the second year and I went back the third year and I graduated. And listen, 
I would love to tell you that I walk right into a plush position in ministry. But when I graduated Bible college, I went to a church and they said, okay, you can have a position. <laughs> yes. yes, I get a title. And he says, no, 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 no. It's not in front of people. It's a mega church. There's 22 restrooms. It's a 4,000 seat sanctuary. And I need a lead custodian. No. You need a what? Is, is custodian Greek for pastor? I don't understand. And he said, no. He said, you'll never hold a microphone unless you're faithful cleaning a toilet. He said, you'll never pastor a church here unless you're willing to clean toilets there. And I said, okay, God. I said, okay, God, I see what you're doing. Now it's another test. Now it's another opportunity for me to be faithful in small things. And did you know, man, I went into the men's restroom. I was shining urinals like this. And by the way, pastor, you have an incredibly clean church, by the way. It's amazing here. It really is. Very, just please. This is the first conference where you've given the custodial team a big praise. Come on, dude. <laughs> there was a cloud the size of a man's hand. The cloud was the seed of the storm. Elijah celebrated the seed and the storm showed up. God is looking for people that are willing to praise him in advance when everyone around you says that you are absolutely crazy. God is looking for a generation, I believe, and I believe they're here tonight, that in the middle of sickness, they lift up a praise and it transformed their entire household. I believe here tonight, parents, that your children can lay hands on you and command sickness to go in Jesus' name. I believe that. I believe that your child can start dancing in the living room and that evil spirit that's been tormenting your life and you call it depression will leave your house and never come back. The enemy uses small things to defeat us, but God uses small things to deliver us. I'm almost done. Are y'all bored? We have to bring our small things to God. You know the story, Matthew chapter 14, verses 15 through 20, but I want to show you something different. When it was evening, his disciples came to him and they said, listen, we're in a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitudes away that they may go to villages and buy victuals of themselves. And Jesus said, he says, they need not depart. He said, let's give them something to eat. And they said unto him, we only have five loaves and two fish. All we have is something small. He said, if you will give it to me, I will break it and I will multiply it. But before he breaks it and before he multiplies it, the Bible says that he blesses it. Here's what I want to tell you. Why did he bless the bread and the fish first? Because everything he blesses cannot be considered a loss in your life. In the kingdom of God, nothing is lost. It is only sown to, be, to, to, to reveal itself in your future. You don't lose anything in, in the kingdom. You sow it in the kingdom. There is nothing lost in your life. It is only sowed and eliminated from your present temporary because when it shows up in your future, it's better than you left it. 
When we stop looking at our brokenness as a cursed, we will start looking at it as a, as a blessing and our brokenness is the avenue to get there. When Jesus breaks something, he does so with multiplication in mind. Let me say that again. When Jesus breaks something, he does so with multiplication in mind. You can either bring your small things to Jesus or break them yourself and bring the fragments to Jesus. But either way, they have to come to Jesus. My favorite story in the Bible. Tonight, listen, I believe that God is going to do something radical in the lives of the people in this house. I believe that what happens tonight, heaven will record this moment because this will be the launching pad for a revival that reverberates throughout this nation. I believe that. I'm not just saying that. That's not just, that's not just verbiage. I need what happens here to go north to our church because at Miami University in Ohio, we have the largest incoming freshman class in history. There are over 500 students from different nations that come into a small town of 25,000 people. That is strategic because God has funneled them there to create revival for the world. Come on up here, guys. Matt, come on up here. I want to read this to you. You know this story, but please do not overlook this moment. Mark chapter 14, the Bible says this. Being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, Jesus is sitting down at the house of a leper. Someone that the world has ostracized and isolated. And there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment. It was very precious. It was costly. The Bible says that she broke the small thing and poured it on the head of Jesus. And they murmured against her and they said this. They said, they said, why did you do this? Why are you troubling the master? This could have been sold for a lot of money. But she says, something happens when you bring the small things to Jesus and break them. True worship comes from an environment where you bring everything to God. Everybody stand on your feet here tonight. We learn from this woman that small things are brought to Jesus and they either get broken or they get multiplied. Tonight, God wants your small struggles. God wants your small fears. God wants your small worries. God wants your small dreams. And I hate to interrupt my entire message to say this, but God does not just want the small things. God wants everything. I'm going to ask everyone in this house, young people, experienced believers, seasoned Christians, 
I'm going to ask you to do an inventory in your life right now. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and ask God to search your heart. Father, our prayer tonight is that you reveal to us the small thing that's hindering us from achieving the large thing. Father, reveal to us that when we release the small, God releases it all. People are in here tonight, Father. They're in here tonight, and I know they have struggles. I know there's people in this place here tonight that they're looking at things they're not supposed to. They're saying things they're not supposed to. They're doing things they're not supposed to. They're thinking thoughts they're not supposed to. There's also people in this room here tonight, Father, that they don't believe that you can still do the miraculous and that you can overcome the impossible and make it possible. There are people here tonight, Father, that based on situations and isms and schisms, there's people here tonight, God, that they need a touch from you and an encounter that will change them forever. Everybody look at me for just a moment. I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes again and raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to to do anything religious. I'm going to ask you if you're in this place and you're bold enough and you're willing enough and you're transparent enough to say, I don't care who's around me. I don't care who comes with me. I need to give everything that I have to God in my life. If that's you, I want you to start making your way to this altar now. Come on, step out of your row. Step out of your row. Make your way to this altar now. People are moving. Come on. If you see somebody moving, come with them. Come with them. Tonight is the night where the small things break. Tonight is the night where the small things break. Small worries are breaking. Small fears are breaking. Small doubts are breaking. Anxieties are breaking. Come on, still come, still come, still come. Still come. There's room for you at this altar. Still come. Spirit of God, fall for it.
Come on, if you're standing, worship him. If you're standing, worship him, church. Come on. Your kingdom come, your will be done here as in heaven. Spirit of God, Spirit of God, fall fresh on us. We need your praise.
If you would like to know more about Our Father's House and upcoming events, log on to ourfathershouseky.org.